You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Maps. Onyx Maps is literally the one-stop shop for all outdoorsmen. Whether you whitetail hunt, whether you're backcountry or a coon hunter or whatever, Onyx Maps has functionality for you. And the best part is you don't even have to have mobile data service. Go to onyxmaps.com and check out all the functionality and how it can benefit you. Enter the discount code NATION20, N-A-T-I-O-N-2-0, to save 20% off your initial purchase. Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today on the podcast, we are joined by Chris James of Muzzy. And I recorded this podcast at the 2020 Archery Trade Association show that happened uh, this past weekend. It was last week and this weekend. And I'm joined in this conversation with co-host Bob Polanik. And... At the ATA show, I had the privilege to sit down and talk to a lot of manufacturers within the industry about their products. And this week, next week, and going on for quite a while, I'm going to share these episodes and and those conversations on the Hunting Gear podcast. I might even share some on the network feeds and the Nine Finger Chronicle feeds as well. But uh, lots of great information, lots of excitement. and I had a great time and I love talking with these manufacturers because I feel like I learn something new every time I talk with, you know, let's say like a broadhead manufacturer or a boot manufacturer, backpack, arrows, whatever, everything in between. And uh, I had an absolutely great time. I think one of the, the best things about the ATA show is getting to talk to new gear nuts meeting new people who are like-minded in the hunting space and the gear space and then you know seeing old friends and uh, just catching up with them but uh, the archery trade association does a really good job of putting on a show uh, catering to the manufacturers of the world the product developers of the world and and letting guys like myself and uh, all other press on the floor to really document these uh, these innovations and all the new products that are coming to the market and share them with you guys. So that's what I did while I was there. Like I said, make sure that you subscribe to the Hunting Gear Podcast so you're getting a whole bunch 
of these little episodes. Uh, some of them, depending on time, might be merged with another like category. This particular episode is long enough to where I think I'm going to make it uh, a standalone episode. And on this episode, I am with product developer Chris James, or he's a product specialist, uh, Chris James of Muzzy. And it's a broadhead company, and we have a really cool conversation about Muzzy Broadheads, the broadhead market in general, and just an overall awesome conversation about how they select, you know, how they know what broadheads they're going to manufacture, fixed blades versus mechanicals and everything in between. So a really good conversation. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So uh, I guess here goes nothing. But before we get into this episode, I just want to, again, make sure you guys are visiting the Sportsman's Nation uh, podcast network, sportsmansnation.com. Make make sure you are subscribing to the Whitetail feed, the Big Game feed, the Nine Finger Chronicles, and uh, follow along on Instagram and Facebook, Nine Finger Chronicles, Sportsman's Nation, and even Bob's Instagram feed, Hybrid Outdoors. You guys are going to get a lot of information, a lot of cool conversations and topics that go through our social site as well. So without further ado, here is a conversation I had with Chris James of Muzzy at the 2020 Archery Trade Show. All right, we are still here at the ATA Show 2020, and I'm sitting next to Chris James of Muzzy. Chris, how you doing? Doing real good. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing good. Bob, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Loving it. Soaking it all in. Soaking it all in. All right, so Muzzy, Broadhead Company. Um, What is it about broadheads specifically that gets people so fired up? right i feel like there's a loyalty to broadheads that there isn't in any other category um you know it's really i think it's the it's the piece that consummates the hunt if you will yeah so it is the it doesn't matter what else you do or what else you have in in a lot of aspects it's the most important part of archery when it comes to the fact of when you're killing an animal that is the part of your equipment that's doing the killing, yeah. and people take that very personally. Yeah. And you know the the amount of um, the amount of destruction that it does, uh, I think, is something that has to be respected a lot. Um, because you know you can you can shoot uh, an arrow with a fill point on it, and it, you know it's not going to do a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that's something that really makes a big difference uh, for those guys. And when they get behind something. Um, it's an ego thing yeah. because uh, just like a car for a car enthusiast uh, is is the thing that they you know the motor or the, uh, the the type of car if it's a Camaro or a Mustang or whatever they 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 get in that and people of like mindset they they really they'll argue what's better um, because that's what they have uh, or trucks you know the, the Ram the Chevy the you know whatever the Cummins or the Duramax or it's the same type of argument all all throughout time, I guess you would say, as to what what's better. But I think that's what gets people so polarized. You know, uh, you see it a little bit with bows too. But the the bows and the broadheads seem to be the two things that polarize people the most and have the uh, a dedicated following. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, especially on social media, right? You see what's better, mechanical versus you know what do you shoot? What you know, mechanicals versus fixed blades and all that. When you guys set out 
to uh, design a new uh, product or uh, push your existing uh, lineup, where where does a broadhead company stand on mechanical versus fixed blade? So that's a really good question, and one that we get a lot on. What do I personally shoot? And I, and I'll tell you, we've got uh, we've like four or five different broadhead brands that are in there, and. I would take any broadhead that we've got in our lineup and go kill different animals with it. Yeah. There are broadheads that are designed and made more specifically for a certain situation or instance and set up um, than others, but it's what you feel comfortable with. If you don't have confidence in what you're shooting, you second-guess yourself in a, a, a critical time and you screw up. If you can't accurately shoot that broadhead, regardless of what it is or you don't have enough energy to push it through the animal or you think you might not have enough energy to push it through the animal that's always going to be the first thing that you blame if you can have a setup that your arrow hits exactly where you want it to and gets the performance that you want it to get there should be no second guessing or thought process if it doesn't hit the animal where you had the pin you did something wrong it's not the it's not the equipment's fault and that's the broadhead's the first to get blamed um, but it's also the first to get praised. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't go over, if the animal doesn't go very far, man, did you see what this broadhead did? Yeah. If it, if they lose an animal, oh man, you know that that broadhead. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that. It wasn't flying good, or it didn't do this, or I wasn't sure about that. It's all about confidence. If you're not confident in it, don't use it, and use your equipment enough to get confident in it, to know what it does on your setup, because. What works for nine out of ten people, you might be the one guy that it just doesn't work. And, yeah. and it, it's no one thing because there's so many variables that come into archery. You know, um, are you overspined or underspined on your arrow? Right. Should you, you know, do you have too much tip tip weight or do you have not have enough? Or you have too much weight in the back? Are you shooting? Do you have a high anchor point? Do you do you do something differently with your form that no one else really does? That it's kind of non-traditional. You know, you look like a Charles Barkley golf swing when you draw a bow. I mean, like, you know, those kinds of things. It's something. Guilty. Yeah, exactly. You know, not everybody swings a golf club the same way. Not everybody shoots a bow exactly the same way. Now, you, as long as you do it consistently, that's fine. But it does it does things to arrow flight that are different. And people have to understand that, you know, when you shoot a fixed blade broadhead, we're talking muzzy here, a broadhead is simply a, a giant amplifier on the front of your arrow. If you shoot an arrow and it's it's wiggling and twisting and kicking um it may straighten out in the first five yards with a fill point on there it's not going to straighten out the first five yards with a fixed blade broadhead on there it's going to keep it's going to keep wiggling around and and if you don't have enough fletchings on the back of it to steer it and guide it and stabilize it it's going to do it the whole way down range and it's going to drift off one way or another you know if you if you uh think about a think about it as a car without a steering wheel right if it gets out of shape, it's just gonna it's gonna push it wherever it wants to go. But if it leaves in a straight line, it's gonna continue in that straight line. Um, and so you know, it, it it's really one of those uh, really one of those things. And where 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 do a, where does a broadhead you know expandable or you know I, I've I've shot animals with with a lot of expandables that we've got. I've shot them with uh, hybrids, and I'm I'm a hybrid fan myself. I like I like a hybrid broadhead. I like having. Um, the additional cut that you get with it with a expandable set of blades but i also like having that just that reassurance that you know if something goes wrong with something i've done um i get i get a little bit of extra cut on a different angle um you know some people are, are worried about a two blade and 
and I've done it. I've had a heart shot where, uh, or a shot on a deer where I, I was trying to shoot it in the heart, and I hit it a little bit, little bit low, and the blades went left and right instead of up and down, and I shot right under its heart, yeah. and I didn't get that deer. Um, where if you would, if I would have had something with another set of blades going up and down, I would have probably clipped something. Right. Um, but you know that's so, that's something that you that you deal with, and uh, it's a it's a choice, right? You know, yeah. you want to pick you want to pick what's best for you, and uh, you know most guys that that like to um, that are shooting limited poundage or uh, have have used fixed blades and and, uh, and like to shoot near the shoulder, that's a choice that they make, and you know it's a very effective shot. It's very lethal. It, you're going to get a quick kill, um, you know. And then there's guys that that are just more comfortable that if they make a bad shot, they would like to have the the cutting diameter of an expandable. And those guys, they just can't shoot close to the leg, you know, because if you know, there's there's certain instances where you can, but you know, if you dead center the scapula with an expandable broadhead, it's very very hard to get enough penetration to make it a right. lethal hit. Yeah. Where if they hit it back. Um, you know, they, they've got a lot better chance of recovering an animal than you do with a fixed blade. So, is this is this the only expandable, truly ex, true expandable you guys offer, yep. the new shank? The and new then, shank. And then the the other expandables you offer are actual the hybrids. Hybrids, yep. Okay. okay. I got you. So, I want to talk about the arrow, look at it as an equation, mm-hmm. right, um, to get end result you know a lot of people look at an arrow as one thing right when in all actuality it's a combination of things what weight or what variable like the importance of that variable in that equation does the broadhead actually play is it a big one or is it something like you just need to practice with what you have and you'll be fine you know in most instances people will shoot a 100 grain broadhead and they'll shoot an aluminum insert, and for the most part, that's that's a sufficient setup mm-hmm. um, because they're shooting inside of 40 yards. Yeah. And as long as you're limiting your distance, that's a sufficient setup. Yeah. So the broadhead really is a typical broadhead setup is all you need. When when people start playing with um, trying to get a heavier arrow, you have to look at your front of center and where that comes into play. So that sometimes that means either shooting heavier broadhead or shooting a weighted insert. And most people nowadays prefer to shoot a weighted insert because the 100 grain broadhead is the standard for most of them. You know, our sales we have to we have to do our product selection based on sales and demand. And we used to have a lot of different heavier weight broadheads because it made sense. And in recent years, that's just dwindled away more and more because everyone goes to a 100 grain broadhead because they can buy a brass insert or a steel insert and get that tip weight. Um, and then take that same broadhead and use it on something else if they want to. Um, you know, where it really comes into play is guys that are shooting traditional equipment. That's where changing your broadhead tip weight uh, to get that spine of the arrow right uh, really comes into play. Uh, the arrow itself, I guess you would say, uh, is it's important that your tip weight is good for the, you know, for the right, the spine of the arrow. And um, I don't know. Does that kind of cover your question? Yeah, yeah. So, all right, you, got, you guys got this lineup. Mm-hmm of you know fixed blades um you got mechanicals you got hybrids one particular uh broadhead of your guys's lineup the one mm-hmm. really stands out to me yep because me having a i, I don't want to say an engineering background because i don't but the like mechanicals everybody says oh dude i've had this mechanical fail on me 
right? Fixed blades should not have any failure problems because they don't move like a mechanical does. And it looks like you've taken that one step further with the one, so there's actually it is one piece of metal yep. that's been machined down. Why? Why is that so cool? Well, there's a lot. So you, you kind of touched on some of Muzzy's history. So not, I don't know how many people know this, but so John Masaki, a senior, he was a the founder of Muzzy. So he was Mr. Muzzy. Okay. And what he did was he, he actually went on a, a buffalo hunt in Africa back in the 70s. And he, he shot a buffalo three or four times with his recurve, and the, the, the broadhead of the time was hitting ribs, and it was just, just wrinkling up. It wasn't, it wasn't standing up. It wouldn't get through the bone. And so he ended up getting charged. He shot it with a, uh, a large caliber rifle, just feet from him. And he, he went back home, and he, he in his mind, he said, I, I want to develop a never-fail broadhead, a broadhead that can bust through bone and will not ever lose a blade. That's what the original Muzzy broadheads were set up to do. Yeah. So with what you're talking about there, that is the never-fail mentality that Muzzy has. Okay. Um, with that, as we went through the years, the three blades, um, you know, it was a big deal when Thunderheads were all the rage and the Muzzy three blade came along and you could put your Muzzy together and put it in a broadhead box and you didn't ever have to worry about checking how tight your broadhead was because that blade was never going to come out of your uh, your, your ferrule in the quiver. So right. we, as we progressed through time, we've came up with these other systems that we've always had multiple fail safes, so it would always be a never fail broadhead. That's the, the hybrid, that's the idea behind a hybrid. Well, now we went to a one-piece solid head. And that one piece of steel that, that comes out is it comes out as a piece of bar stock and runs into that CNC machine. Um, the amount of strength that it has is 30% stronger than anything that's equivalent. So when you mim a head, you, and, and for people that don't know what miming is, it's basically um, a powdered type, uh, almost like a powdered type substance that they inject into a mold. They heat it up, and then it forms this piece of metal and... It's strong, but it's not as strong as what that bar stock that gets compressed down as it's hot yeah. and gets pushed through and molded into that bar. So that is what gives it the strength, and that's what makes it so cool um, because you're machining that one solid piece, and you're you know to break that is an unbelievable amount of energy that's required. Yeah. There's going to be so many other things that fail before that broadhead will fail. Um, you know, it, it it's. You know, it's going to be the one piece of equipment that will not get damaged to, to the point of um, failure. Okay. So I, I see that as a whole new manufacturing process mm -hmm. compared to making pieces and assembling a broadhead compared to machining it. Mm -hmm. um, what did you guys have to learn as far as the design knowing that it's going to be one piece? You know, we, we did a couple things. Uh, it was it was a couple years in the in the making when we looked at it, and the cutting diameter and the length of the broadhead, those are all things that are that are very important as well as just the the sharpening aspect of it because okay. it's different when you're sharpening that type of steel versus a very a very thin blade that you can run on a on a mass sharpening scale, um, so it comes. You know, when, when you're sharpening the replaceable blades, they're laid out in a line, and you've got a sharpener that's going down and back, and then it, there's a process that hones that blade in a large quantity of them. This is done one edge at a time, forward and backward, forward and backward, all the way around that broadhead until all of the edges have the same 
sharpness um, to them. So that's one thing that's uh, that's a big difference. Uh, you know, and then the, the heat treating is another thing on it. So the, the Rockwell hardness of this broadhead versus other broadheads, um, every time you change a material or you're changing uh, that, it, it matters because you have to find the sweet spot. And normally with the blades, you want them to bend, not break. So a replaceable blade broadhead, it gets its strength from the ferrule and with a, a traditional muzzy that interlocks together, um, the the blade inside the aluminum ferrule gives it the strength. For our trocar series are, that are already steel, they get that backbone from the steel that are, that's in the center of them, but they don't have that, they don't have to flex at all because the blades themselves flex and bend and not break. Where when you're going to this one piece, all of those things have to have the same hardness. You can't have different hardnesses. And if you don't have it hard enough, it won't hold an edge. And if you have it too hard, it becomes brittle and will will shatter. So that's a that's a fine line. That's a lot of testing that we had to do. And uh, we've got this, this Instron machine that, that allows us to, to do force, and it calculates the force it takes to break it. So we're able to push it down into a hard substance and figure out exactly where it fractures at. And you take a, a wide variety of these Rockwells, and you can just see you can see where that sweet spot actually comes in. So, you know, there's a lot of research and development that goes into these. All right, so, so three versus four versus whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just the look of this. And I'm, I'm sorry I'm fixated on this just because of the machining, you know, yep. the, the machining process. Is, is the sharpening different on this? I, will a... Will this machined broadhead hold a different edge than a the other manufactured blades? Yes, it, it's it's uh, it's a thicker steel. Yeah. So machining it down, it's not going to. Uh, the thinner the metal, the sharper it in theory becomes because um, in that angle that you go off of, and so we've got an angle on this. It's a little bit different than what the angle of most of our other blades are uh, because this has to be sharpened on a stone where you can lay it on a flat stone and just push it forward and backwards to sharpen it. You can't do that with our other blades. They've got a different angle on that blade, okay. which allows it because they're a, essentially a razor blade right. and that gives it that gives it a very, very fine and non-reusable because it's going to get damaged because it's so thin as it goes through an animal that edge is going to get dinged up and nicked up. This one um, it will get sharp and it'll get the same level of sharpness, but it will not have that same feel to it. So when, when you're talking about cutting through something, um, that very thin, um, thin metal blade is gonna is gonna slice through it in one way, but it's gonna feel very very sticky. This one it'll slice through it in the same way with the same amount of force, but you're not going to have the same feel to it. So that's something that people have to kind of get over, like that the stickiness, where when you put it down on your you know. I don't recommend people doing this, but if you're putting it down to shave, a lot of people test it to see if it'll yep. shave. You put it down and you run it across your the back of your hand, it's going to take the hair right off of it. It may not feel like it's that sticky, but it's going to take the hair to a clean spot on your arm. And that's you know that's how I test it. You know, if, if a broadhead, if I take it out and I can't shave with it, I'm not happy. You know? Should this should this one the the machine broadhead that's all one piece should that hold a better edge longer than your thinner blades? Um, the, it will, uh, it'll have a more durable edge. Yeah. So durable. you won't you won't when you run it through an animal, it won't take as much um, it won't take as much punishment on it. You, you'll be able to okay. get that blade back to a sharpness really quickly. And you know, with a diamond flat stone, it 
I don't know, I've taken them and, and dinged them up pretty good, and, and within five minutes I've had them back to kind of where I would shoot them again. You know, it doesn't okay. take a, it doesn't take an enormous amount of time. You know, and you just have to you have to kind of not be distracted because you have to count your strokes on each side. That's where you. That's the only thing that with this type of head is if you uh, if you sharpen one side too much, you'll end up making it wobble because okay. it, you take too much material off one side and it becomes unbalanced. Okay. Yeah. So you just have to count your strokes when you're sharpening it. The broadhead category as a whole. Mm -hmm. This is me outside as a consumer looking in. I feel it's marketing. Majority of it is just marketing, and I, I know a guy could argue that that's for every product that's being bought and sold in any category. Yep. Is there is there anything exciting or new or different technology that is coming down the pipe? Maybe you could speak on Muzzy or the the category as a whole that will bring a different kind of excitement back to the broadhead category. You know, it's hard to say. Um, we we are constantly looking for that next exciting thing. In fixed blade broadheads, there's not a ton else you can do. There's only so much geometry you can do. There's only so many materials you can use. Um, there's different ways of machining things. That that that's really the thing that that we're looking at is how we can how we can make things differently. Um, and that's that's a big thing. You know, with uh, on the rage side of things, we've got the no collar, and that was. That was a big, exciting thing last year as we launched it. And then we, we transferred that into some other categories this year into our, into our other uh, product lines. But, you know, I don't know. the. I think that as we continue to move forward, you know, we're, we're trying different materials for ferrules, for blades, stuff like that. Um, you, you, try to, you try to get it lighter and lighter to where you can put more beef in the blades or, or make things stronger. Right. Um, but until I think really until people get away from having to have a hundred gram broadhead, I don't think you'll see it because that's our biggest issue. Is if we could make a hundred and twenty-five gram broadhead that everyone would buy, we could make we could make everything stronger, better, uh, wider, penetrate better. There's lots of things we could do, but because you're limited to that hundred grain mindset, we've made other we've made other weights of broadheads that were awesome broadheads and they just don't sell. So it's it's it is marketing. The question is, what would it take to convince you that this black book is blue? Yeah. If I if I tell you this book is blue and you're like, no, it's black. How long will I have to tell you that it's blue before you're like, all right, it's blue? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So I hear this. I, I've talked to several other broadhead manufacturers, and they say the same thing. The designers, the engineers say. I can make a better broadhead if I make it in 125 grains. Absolutely. What the hell is wrong with the consumer then? Are they not hearing the message? Because I'm sold on it. I have no idea. We've, we've tried it. We've tried it over and over. Um, and you, you make a better broadhead and put it in 100, 125 or 150 grains. And it's some sort of glitch in their brain. That speed is still a is still a thing, and That's you know crazy. I'm I'm going to say this year my setup I was shooting uh, I was shooting a Matthews with um, on 72 73 pounds maxed out, and I was shooting our uh, Piledriver DS Carbon Express arrows and uh, with a hundred hundred grain head on it, 
And I was shooting that five. I was shooting a 550 grain arrow, 304 feet a second. Yeah, wow. that's a lot of energy. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I would have, I would have been willing, you know, I was, I would have been willing to shoot a 150 grain head, but I was shooting some prototype stuff, so I was having to shoot a hundred. I would have rather shot our 150 grain trap hand on there and made that a 600 grain arrow, shooting 280 feet a second, because, in my opinion. I like shooting a bow that's somewhere between 280 and 290. That's my hunting setup. That's that. I feel like that's the most effective, quietest uh, setup that you can have. Um, and it's still going to give me the same energy because in the equation of speed and weight, they're the same. Right. They're equal to each other. Yeah. So you're kind of a badass. I I jacked my arrow weight up this year to 512, and I was man, I'm the shit, you know. And then here you are, had to belittle me on my own podcast, <laughs> you know. So. Um, I want to I want to take a hard transition here and go into the bow fishing realm. Okay, you're, okay. In, my, you're in my wheelhouse now. <laughs> because, dude, you want to talk about uh, someone who's really passionate about a thing? Yep. It's guys who bow fish. Yes. And I got uh, one of my buddy's neighbors. I you know here I am whipping out a picture of a buck I got on trail cam. It's like hey check this monster out. It's awesome. And this guy's like, oh that's I guess that's all right. Check out this 50-pound carp I just shot last <laughs> night out of a out of my boat. What what is it about bow fishing that gets people so jacked up? Um, it's a team sport. Yeah. It's a it's a group sport. It's a social activity. Um, so I love hunting. Yeah. And I love my time in the tree stand to reflect and kind of get away from this hectic, you know, thing that we yep. have going yep. on here and. It, it kind of lets you reflect and you know for us it's a it's it generates ideas on new products and um kind of get right with the world i love that and i you got to have that but when it's springtime and um you know for me going out with my buddies and putting on some music and riding around in a boat and shooting fish um there's something about the i, I can't explain it but the stress relief that you get doing that and the enjoyment that comes yeah. from it um is amazing and you can do it with i can take my wife my kids it doesn't matter anybody can do it there's not a lot of uh, you don't have to be super strong you you just have to want to do it and uh you can you can do it just about anywhere that there's water there's just just about every state has some some water that can you can shoot you can do it from the bank you can wait around in a creek uh you can when it floods you can go up and do it and just the sheer amount of success that you have doing it because with most hunting setups you get you spend how many hundreds of hours do you shoot from the summertime to try to culminate a fall kill yeah and you and if you're in a if you're a great archer and you're in a good state you know you get three four five kills that's a pretty good season you know there's guys that that obviously get more than that but your average guy is shooting, you know, maybe a couple does in a buck a year, or maybe two bucks and, and uh, two or three does. But you know, you, you you don't get over that ver- that very often, and it's a it's a very selective thing. And I, I will say that you 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 kind of know with the trail cameras of today, you kind of know what's out there. Like yeah. if you go to a spot, like remember when you were a kid before trail cameras, and you're like. You had these dreams of the bucks oh, that were going to yeah. walk by, and oh, you yeah. don't—you you never knew what was going to come. And there was something about that. Yeah. It's hard to get fired up when you've got only four-year-olds out there, and nothing that you really, you want to let something grow. Like you, it's hard to get fired up about that. There's the hope that something will wander through in the rut. You don't know, but when you go out there, like you never know what you're going to see. Yeah. Like 
you you could see a 70 pound fish that set a new state record because that's just the opportunity. You, this huge body of water is a mystery. You don't know yeah. what's in there, and uh, you can fish the same spot every night, and you'll see a new fish that's bigger than the one you saw the last two years every single time you go out. And all that's there's just something about that allure um, that people like. We are on different wavelengths, but the same wavelength. Yeah, I love fishing. Love river fishing from Michigan. Mm-hmm. A lot of steelhead salmon. But if I got a bunch of four and a half year old bucks on camera, <laughs> I am going to be jacked to go hunting. <laughs> well, depends depends on where you're at. So if you know, for me, I don't really care. Um, but the the mindset of today's hunter is that if I don't have a, I'm going to air quote, maturity or and, oh, yeah. and now used to it was three and a half. But now the more you you hear people talk, oh, yeah. you know the four you know the four and a half you got you got to let them grow because they're not they're not going to reach reach their peak until that you know right full potential full potential yeah. I, you know I I think if you win the battle you win the battle take you so yeah. you know so I like here I am I'm, I'm I don't know anything about bow fishing what is Muzzy offering uh, in the bow fishing market. You know, so we, we feel like we've got a pretty complete offering on everything that you would need to get up, yeah. to get set up and going. So we've got we've got entry-level items. Um, so we've got some kits that start off. So if you've got an old bow at home um, that you want to set up for bow fishing, we've got a bow fishing kit that's a reel, a rest, an arrow, some, some no gloves. Uh, the basics that you would need to go out and get started with a bow that you already have. Um, and, you know, that's I think that's $130-ish, something like that. So... That's a real good starter starter set, and then uh, we've got the stuff that you would need in aside from that to keep going. So we have we have fish arrows, and we have several different models of fish arrows, um, the tips to replace them. And then uh, we've got the we've got reel seats, so that it, you know if you're if you want to upgrade from the reel you've got, you can you can upgrade to one of our better reels. Uh, we've got a we've got a standard style reel seat, and then we've got a, a new quick detach the LVR. Um, reel seat where you just you flip a lever, it slides open, and then you pop the reel off and you put another one in and close it down. And uh, it's super fast. You know, there were was, was some other ones out there that were spring-loaded from some competitors. Um, but you got to be a man to really get that thing off if you're in a hurry. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you gotta you got to lock it down. And, you know, not everybody that's fishing out there can do that. You know, we've got a couple people on our pro staff, uh, Kenzie Taylor. She's she's one of the best shooters that I know. Like, uh, you know, she'll hand a lot of guys their, uh, their lunch when it's out there when it comes to shooting. And... Uh, you know, she just she can't physically take one of those spring-loaded ones off, and you know, she's it's not that she's weak; she just doesn't have the leverage to, to be able to pop it off with this lever. But with this lever reel seat, you just pop it down, and you can change it in you know seconds. So that's pretty cool. Um, then we've got some other bow fishing bows. Uh, we've got a we've got a recurve uh, kit that we offer. Um, we've got a vice bow fishing kit, which is a our entry-level compound kit, and that's going to run you about three hundred and thirty dollars right around there and that's going to give you again the bow a reel a rest an arrow and no gloves and then we've got our new um lvx which is our camless lever bow and so this comes off of oneida we actually partnered with oneida we licensed some technology from them so that we could actually make this this lever bow and uh, make it at an affordable price that so ironically in bow fishing the oneida that was out there in the 1980s to bow hunt with transfers energy into a heavy arrow really well and when you're shooting uh, when you're bow fishing you don't always want to come to full draw you want to snap shoot a lot with compounds that can be tricky 
Um, but with a recurve, it's really good. But you don't you have to shoot a lot of weight in a recurve to get the energy that you need to get a, a fish that's that's fairly deep. You lose a lot of energy with a recurve. So the lever bow is like the perfect combination of compound and recurve. And so this is it's it's the it's the the bow that everybody wants, yeah. but not everybody can afford a, an eight hundred plus dollar bow fishing bow. Just the bow itself. Yeah. So the LVX is you know uh, just under five hundred bucks for the bare bow and just under six hundred bucks for a kit. And so guys that you know the guys that are stepping up and have, have been doing it for a little while, yeah. that's the bow that they want to do. And that's just that one's just new for this year. So gotcha. Well, we've got a lot of stuff there. You know we we kind of we we've got several different types of fish points too. We've got some that are just our regular quick release that we've had for a long time. We've got our iron series that are more for soft flesh fish like your big heads and your your Asian silver carp that jump or or just big big strong fish because uh, what you got to remember these fish are stronger than their flesh. So they'll actually pull hard enough that you can pull a giant chunk of their flesh out. So if you don't spread that energy out across a big surface area, um, they'll they'll pull their they'll pull themselves right off of an arrow gotcha. because of that. So yeah. um, that's something we've got arrow rest to cover everything. We've got gaffs, we've got line pullers, we've got uh, rods that go on the front of your your reel seat. So you mount your your reel to the bow through a reel seat. Um, or directly we, with a, a bracket that we build in, and they've got a port on the front of them. So what, another thing people don't understand is the reels that you use in bow fishing get a lot more abuse than what you know than a fishing rod reel does because even though they're they're similar and all of their functionality is the same, we have to beef them up a lot more because uh, you have this giant lever that takes a, that gives you a mechanical advantage and takes a lot of the energy off the reel with a fishing rod. You know you put a you put an eight foot rod out in front of it and you've got a lot of leverage. Um, you're trying to pull a, a 40 or 50 pound fish in directly off the pickup pin. Right. The only thing holding that is that pickup pin. Like, and you're pulling sideways on it and you're reeling it down. Um, there's no advantage to it. And if you don't you don't understand that, try to take and pull drag out of a out of a fishing pole that's set on I don't know, say 20 pounds of pressure to pull it out of the reel here. Mm -hmm. Try to pull it out of the pull it out of the drag at the end of the pole. It takes a lot more force to pull right. it out there. So this rod goes into the end of your your reel seat and it runs through and it just gives you something to take the pressure off that pickup pin and yeah. so it'll extend the life of your reel a lot um so that, i mean that's kind of the the overview yeah. of it we've, we've trimmed it down we used to have a we used to have a lot more niche stuff but we're trying to stay in the mainstream and and focus on the the parts that we can we can kind of innovate and and hit the masses on um you know we we'd like to be a lot smaller into it but uh you know, we have to try to pick our battles on stuff like that because there's, we just can't do the same things that a lot of the smaller guys can do. Um, you know, if they've got, if they're out of their garage um, as a manufacturer and, and they've got a very specific thing, you know, that's that's awesome. They can they can live on the kind of margins they need to live on, and they're doing it for a living, and so they don't have the overhead that we do. Um, but you know, you only sell 500 or something a year. It's hard for us to stomach that where they. That's great for them. You right. Know, they, yeah. can get, they can get several things they sell 500 of a piece of, and it's awesome. Yeah. So we're going to wrap it up here, but uh, going kind of going back to the broadhead side of things. Why should a bow hunter, serious or not, consider Muzzy as their broadhead? You know, I think it comes back to uh, how they feel about as a hunter and what they, what they want to do as a hunter. You know, Muzzy is the most durable, dependable broadhead you could ever have. And if you want something that you know is never going to let you down, it's it's that uh, it's the F-150 of broadheads, if you will. It's that, you know, every 
you can always depend on it. It's always going to be there. You can always, uh, if you have, if you run out of them or you lose them or whatever, you can find them at any store anywhere. And uh, you know, you can shoot them through a steel drum. You can shoot them into a concrete block. You can you can shoot them through anything you want to. Um, they're going to be sharp. They're going to be uh, they're going to be accurate. And I think that's really what it comes down to is it's got to be a durable, dependable product that they can that they can depend on. And it doesn't matter if you're hunting. Uh, if you're hunting a whitetail deer, if you're hunting a, a hog, if you're going to Africa, you can hunt anything on on uh, on this planet with those broadheads and do it with confidence and know that there's not very many animals out there that have not been killed with a buzzy broadhead. I mean, over the course of the last 30 years, it's killed anything you can imagine. Human. <laughs> You'd be surprised. There. We actually did have some calls last year from a guy that got killed with a crossbow. Oh, so that's real. That's real. Wow. Okay, yeah, we, well. we actually had we actually had a, an investigator call us and had to identify several components that we make <laughs> oh, wow. in, a, in a murder investigation. I was just trying to be a smart ass. <laughs> yeah, right. Nope. Well, there take you it. go. There you go. Yeah. There you go, Muzzy. <laughs> and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Huge shout out to Chris for hopping on the podcast. I know that show is absolutely crazy, so making time for me. I really appreciate that. If you guys want to find out more information about the Hunting Gear Podcast, you can go to iTunes. You can download it, uh, subscribe to it, uh, listen to all the conversations that we have. This is the podcast for gear nuts. You can also go to sportsmansnation.com and take a look at all of the past episodes that we've launched. Uh, look into it a little bit. And you can look into all of the other podcasts that are, at, that are on our platform. So... Thank you very much. Hopefully you guys have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you next time. Keep a lookout for more Hunting Gear podcasts coming very soon.